Exposition of the Apostles' Creed, Section 20. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark Warner. Exposition of the Apostles' Creed by James Dodds. Article 6. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Forty days after his resurrection, Jesus charged the apostles, in the last words he is known to have spoken on earth, to testify of him throughout the world, and assured them that they should receive power through the descent of the Holy Spirit. This last recorded utterance called his church to missionary enterprise. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It is when believers in Christ are faithful in the performance of this duty that fulfillment of the promise may be confidently looked for. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We are told that when Jesus had spoken these things, he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Ascension is the completion of resurrection. If he were on earth, says the author of the epistle to the Hebrews, he should not be a priest. No part of his work would have corresponded to that of the high priest, who, when he had offered up sacrifice, passed into the holy place with the blood of the victim and laid it upon the altar. The act thus foreshadowed in the type was accomplished when our great high priest passed into the heavens and entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. The ascension took place in open day and in the sight of the apostles. While they beheld, he was taken up, that they might be witnesses of the fact. It was necessary that they should see him go up from earth. Unlike the ascension, the resurrection of Christ took place unseen by mortal eye. Eyewitnesses of his rising from the dead were not needed. The fact that they had seen Jesus after he rose qualified them to be witnesses of his resurrection but it was only because they had seen him taken up that they could bear personal testimony to his ascension. Thus our Lord ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. This article expresses the honor and dignity of his person and character. To sit on the right hand is an honor reserved for the most favored. When the scriptures speak of the right hand of God, it is meant that, as the right hand among men is the place of honor, power, and happiness, so to sit on the right hand of God is to obtain the place of highest glory, power, and satisfaction. At God's right hand, our Lord entered into everlasting and perfect glory and dominion. Being one with the Father, all that is the Father's is His. He is exalted a prince and a savior, having an eternal life and all the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in Him bodily. The Father Himself gave Him the place at His right hand, having highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. None can dethrone him or successfully plot against his kingdom. No weapon, carnal or spiritual, can ever prevail against him. It is this that gives to Christianity its stability and power, for Christianity is Christ himself sitting at the right hand of God. The ascended Christ exercises absolute authority and unlimited dominion. The Father, on whose right hand the Son sits, is, in this clause, as in that which stands at the beginning of the creed, termed the Father Almighty. Though the distinction is not apparent in the English version of the creed, Almighty in the original Greek is in these clauses expressed by two different words. 
In the earlier clause, the word so rendered signifies God's supreme, universal dominion, while here the word employed denotes the fact that his power and operation are always efficacious and irresistible, and that all things are under his absolute control. This word almighty warrants the belief which the clause declares, that the Son, sitting on the right hand of the Father, possesses absolute and universal power, and that in executing his office as a mediator, none can resist or oppose him. The word sitteth is expressive, not so much of the attitude as of the settled and continuous character of Christ's exaltation. At God's right hand in heaven, he executes the offices of prophet, priest, and king, as he did on earth. The prophet, as teacher of the revealed truth, held office in Old Testament times, and when Jesus entered on his public ministry, it was as a divinely accredited teacher that he had claimed to be received. He brought out of his treasury things new and old, and exhorted men to hear, believe, and obey him. By his words and his life, he made known the will of God for man's salvation, and when he was lifted up upon the cross, it was to the end that, by the sacrifice he offered, and the truth he taught, he might draw all men unto him. He brought life and immortality to light, and since his departure he has not ceased to be the teacher and the guide of all who receive him. His word abides with us, and his first gift to the church after he rose was the Holy Ghost, who came to lead men to all truth. When the Lord ascended on high, he received gifts for men, and he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It is in him that all Christian teaching originates, and through his Spirit that it takes hold of men's hearts. Our Lord does not indeed now appear in visible form, speaking face to face with men, as he did in Palestine, but he speaks in and through every believer who in his name seeks to win souls for his kingdom. Paul recognized this when he wrote to the Corinthians. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. In his exaltation, Christ executes the office of a priest. The functions of the Jewish high priest were not limited to the offering of sacrifice. When he had made an end of offering, he carried the blood of the victim into the holy place and made intercession for the sins of the congregation. As the mediator between God and his people, he thus foreshadowed the work of him who is a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek, succeeding none, and being succeeded by none, in his priestly office. As the high priest's work was partly without and partly within the holy place, so Christ's priestly work is twofold, consisting of his satisfaction for sin upon earth and his intercession in heaven. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us, he was once offered to bear the sins of many, thereby satisfying divine justice and reconciling men to God. After having as our great high priest offered the sacrifice of himself, he passed into the heavens. There he makes continual intercession for us. At the right hand of God he exercises kingly prerogatives also. He was anointed to the royal office at his baptism, when the Holy Ghost descended on him when by death he overcame him who had the power of death, when he rose from the grave and announced to his disciples that all power was given him in heaven and earth. He asserted his kingly office, and when God, having raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come.
all things were put under his feet. He was given to be head over all things to the church, and received dominion and glory in a kingdom. He must reign until all his enemies are under his feet. To which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool? End of section 20